from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to our program. It is the Thursday night edition of the program, and if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, give us a call, 833-4825-337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Now, that, uh, Vladimir, good old Vlad, Vladimir Putin, he's uh, continuing to make uh, nuclear threats uh, saying that there is uh, a potential, a potential that there is a nuclear uh, threat. We'll talk a little bit more about Russia's uh, taunting of of nuclear weapons uh, a little bit, a little bit later, maybe uh, top of the next hour. Right now, I want to talk about a couple of other things because there's there's plenty to talk about. Uh, you've got Joe Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden, and. Um, El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, Donald J. Trump, both making these dueling visits to the border. We're going to talk about that as well. And there's also other stuff that I want to get to, right? Uh, let me see. There was a story I just had right in front of me that I wanted to, to go over with you because I thought it was interesting. Oh, the Supreme Court. Supreme Court uh, yesterday said that they would take the Trump case. And, of course, that should cue attacks on the court. And like clockwork, the articles just started flowing in. Article after article after article. Sometimes they have nothing to do with it. It's just uh, articles that are designed to soften how how we see the court, right? For example, I think yesterday afternoon, I just started seeing articles, uh, you know, in some left-leaning publications with headlines like, should the Supreme Court have lifetime appointments? Right. They just start questioning the legitimacy of the court because the court is likely um, going to hear this case. They said they're going to hear this case. And of course, they have to apply the law fairly. And everybody who knows how the law is going to be applied fairly understands that this isn't going to work well for the people that are trying to usurp our liberty. Right. The people who want to lock Trump up and throw away the key. They realize that what, what they're looking for is not justice. They're looking for uh, a miscarriage of justice, uh, a, a travesty of justice. They're, they're not really looking for real justice. And that's what happens. So when you get upset with how justice looks when it doesn't go your way, you start to say, well, should they really have lifetime appointments? Isn't the Constitution a living, breathing document? I mean, do we still use muskets? I mean, uh, are black people really only three-fifths of a person? And we start asking all these stupid questions. And again, I'm sure somebody's going to take me out of context here and say, well, what do you mean? Is it a stupid question to have, ask if a black person is three-fifths of a person? It is a stupid question because we know it's not true. It's that simple. Oh, but the Constitution says, Rich, no, no. They, they, they reached a compromise so that they would count black people, period. And that was the compromise they came up with. But that's not the case today. Everybody knows how the census works and how everything works. And nobody's ever counted any uh, anybody of any race 
as less than uh, a full person. At least in my lifetime, it's not happened, and I'm sure it hasn't happened in yours either. So let's, uh, let's, you know, let's call it what it is. These are attacks on the institutions because they want you to question the legitimacy of these institutions. Punto y final. Period. The end. It's that simple. Now, Lloyd Austin, he was in the hot seat today. He was giving some testimony on Capitol Hill. And uh, interesting, right? Let me see. There's one here I just saw that I thought was pretty interesting. And let me see. Where did it go? Where did it go? I'm looking for the one where they ask him about no new wars. And he's forced to tell the truth on it with Pat Fallon. Cut number two. Uh, Listen to this. Lloyd Austin is at this hearing and he makes the case that the world was actually safer during President Trump's administration. Listen to this. And then uh, just a little uh, walk through history here in the last couple of administrations. Uh, Vladimir Putin, a lot of my colleagues have talked about Ukraine. In 2008, Vladimir Putin stole a province from Georgia. And it was under George W. Bush's watch. And then 2014, he stole all of Crimea under uh, Barack Obama's watch. And then a Russian-supported insurgency in eastern Ukraine kicked off as well. And then, uh, Mr. Secretary, President of the United States from 2017 to 2021 was? Do you are aware who that was? Uh, 2013? 17 to 21. Who was the President of the United States? Of course, it was... Uh, it was uh, President Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah. Did, were there any new, did Vladimir Putin embark on any new foreign adventures in those four years? Uh, he didn't. Uh, but, okay, thank uh, you. And then, uh, and then February 2022, what happened? You know, he certainly, I mean, that's when he attacked uh, Ukraine. and Full-scale invasion. Almost 200,000 regular absolutely. Russian yeah. troops. So I think that if we were more concerned with our military uh, projecting power and not worried about personal pronouns, it would be better for the American people and, quite frankly, the free world. So there you have that exchange. And I thought that was a pretty interesting exchange. Uh, You know, again, only because it's rare that, you know, people will actually uh, tell the truth. And at least, you know, folks in this administration, the Democrat uh, Biden administration, and, and it's Interesting, he was going to try and throw in there, but, 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 but um, Representative Fallon cut him off. And good for him, you know, reclaiming his time as they would have done to any uh, Republican that was in the hot seat, not allowing anyone to speak. And and it was a pretty straightforward exchange. He just wanted to make the point that there were no new conflicts under Trump and that Putin didn't try this stuff under Trump. But interestingly enough, Putin's out there, uh, you know, banging the pots and pans, rattling his saber yet again. And, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. There's also um, the border stuff that I want to get to. And I also uh, yesterday mentioned uh, that Dr. Phil was on the, on the View a couple of days ago. And there was this exchange between them. And I'm wondering, are we able to, to cue that up? I want to play this exchange of Dr. Phil on the View with Whoopi Goldberg and the rest of the crew where he's making the case for the COVID lockdowns being more harmful than they were worth. And, of course, the, the folks at The View are just very, very, uh, very, very angry. They became very, uh, very catty, if you will. Um, for the sake of time, 
I'm going to play it when we come back. So don't go anywhere. Folks, the phone number, if you want to join the conversation, 866-505-4626, our legacy line. And, of course, the regular phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at night with Rich Valdez. Smartphones came on and and kids started, they stopped living their lives and started watching people live their lives. Mm. And so we saw the biggest spike and the highest levels of depression, anxiety, loneliness and suicidality since records have ever been kept. And it's just continued on and on and on. And then COVID hits 10 years later, and the same agencies that knew that are the agencies that shut down the schools for two years. Who does that? Who takes away the support system for these children? Who takes them away and shuts it down? And by the way, when they shut it down, they stopped the mandated reporters from being able to see children that were being abused and sexually molested and in fact sent them home and abandoned them to their abusers with no way to watch and referrals dropped 50 to 60 percent so there was also a yeah. pandemic yeah, going was, on they were trying to save they were trying to save kids well. lives remember we know a lot of folks who died during this so it wasn't people weren't laying uh, around eating children. bond but well you know what we're lucky maybe we're lucky they didn't because we kept them out of the 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 places that they could be sick because no one wanted to believe we had an issue. Are you saying no school children died of COVID? I'm saying it was the safest group. They were the less vulnerable group and they suffered and will suffer more from the mismanagement of COVID than they will from the exposure to COVID. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. All right, folks, that's Dr. Phil. He was on The View this week making those comments. And, of course, you heard it's a three-on-one, four-on-one, five-on-one when you go on The View. On the view. And uh, they were immediately saying, well, people were dying, people were this, people were that. But the reality was these kids were worse off because of these people that were in charge. And that was the exact point that he was making. Now, of course, they didn't really let him make all of his points, but I think he did a great job standing his ground with the ladies on The View. He also talked about immigration, the border, and his upcoming book. And we're going to talk about all of those here. We've got him for a couple of segments. And I want to welcome him to the program, Dr. Phil McGraw. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's a, it's an honor to talk to you. You bet. So, Dr. Phil, let's um, let's uh, backtrack a little bit, uh, going back to the, to the View. I think you made these comments that they viewed as incendiary. And how dare you make comments in defense of children and defense of children's mental health? What is wrong with you? How, you know, what kind of human being are you that you would do such a thing? How do you, what's it like being in a situation when you're on The View and you're, you're simply talking about, you know, the, the well-being of children and how they're now more susceptible to sexual abuse and all sorts of things that are happening and, and they become so catty and rear, you know, it's just kind of crazy. Well, you know what, Rich, it's, they're talking about, they feel this, they feel that, their opinion is this, their opinion is that, and I don't mean to be rude about it, but I don't care how they feel. I barely care how I feel. What I'm interested (laughs) in is what is, what are the facts? You know, what has, and the the interesting thing about the passage of time is you don't have to speculate. 
with the passage of time, you can measure rather than speculate. And measurement tells us that exactly what I was saying was true. And by the way, I came out and said that back at the beginning of the quarantine, not after the fact. And everybody looked at me like I was insane then. But I knew that these children were already in a mental health crisis. And to take away their support system was the worst possible thing you could do. And the answer that you get from these agencies is, well, we did the best we could with what we knew at the time. No, you did not. You did not do the best you could with what you knew at the time. And these kids are paying for it now, and they'll pay for it for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's it's a shame to see that happening. Now, Dr. Phil, you're not known for being incredibly controversial, um, but it, do you find it shocking at all that these comments that you're making that, in my opinion, are not, are not controversial, but they're being viewed and treated as controversial, that you're looking out for kids and people are upset that you're doing that? It, does that strike well, you as odd? I, it, it does strike me odd that people get upset when you present facts, uh, because I, I think it's incredibly arrogant and narcissistic for certain segments of our population to think they can just rewrite history, rewrite science, rewrite biology, rewrite facts that we've relied on that are verifiable and scientifically confirmed, and they want to rewrite that just because they wish it was different. Well, it's not different. And the sooner we accept that and start dealing with the reality, the better off we'll be. Now, look, people can have their own view of things, and, and I respect people's right to have a different opinion, but that doesn't change reality. Um, you know, you can't decide, you know what? I don't like gravity anymore. I, I think I'll just get together a bunch of people and we'll rally against gravity. Well, okay, step off a building and see what happens. Actually, don't step off a building. There are some people that would probably do that just to prove it, so I'm not recommending that. Uh, but my point is you can't change uh, certain aspects of our history, which occurred 250 years ago. Uh, by deleting it from the history books. You, you can't change it by uh, measuring behavior then by de- standards of today. And I think family in America is under attack. And some of it is unintended. And I think some of it is intentional. And I, I you know, I've been talking to people for over two decades, and I'm seeing their questions and challenges change. And I'm changing with those times. I want to help them find answers. Folks, we're on with Dr. Phil. You know him from television. He's a TV legend. Dr. Phil is uh, a a household name to so many. And uh, I'm I'm glad that you're talking about these issues because I think they're very important. And it's a, again, I I just feel it's a shame that that you're even the headline that, you know, they're saying, oh my gosh, how could Dr. Phil do these things? When I think we should all be doing these things, right? I think it's important for everybody to to look out for kids. Now, when we we look at this overall situation, it seems to me, and you know, maybe that's just the political analyst in me. Do you think that politics have kind of spilled over into every segment of our society where we can't even talk about the welfare of children without it looking political? Uh, or is that just me being jaded? I don't think it's you being jaded at all. And I hate when I see things that if we really sat down and talked about it, um, I, I don't think people would truly disagree, yet they've turned it into a political football. You know, the, the book right. I've written is We've Got Issues, and, and, and the subtitle is as important as the title in this case. Sometimes that's just a throwaway, but in this case, 
It's how to stand strong for America's soul and sanity. And I emphasize that because this is a prescriptive book. This, you know, I hate somebody that comes along and criticizes, but they don't have a better alternative. They don't have something that you could do instead. And I, I did not want to be that way. So uh, I've, I've called out these things that I think are uh, putting our country in jeopardy. And I've, I've been very specific about alternatives that we need to embrace. And I'm very clear up front, Rich. I, I love this country. I love America. I stand up when the flag goes by. I put my hand over the heart when my heart when they play the national anthem. I, I love America. That doesn't mean that I think it's perfect because it's not. I love it enough to be honest about its shortcomings. But I'm tired of people apologizing for America. The first thing they do is start apologizing. And I, I don't I don't apologize for America. We are who we are. We worked hard to get here. And, and this country's built on hard work, and that's not what we're teaching in our colleges right now. That's not what we're uh, focusing on enough. And I, I just think that that 80% of the people in the middle uh, are ready to stand up and say, wait a minute, we're taking back the narrative. I'm the incurable curable optimist, and I think people are ready to do that. <laughs> Amen to that. Folks, we're on with Dr. Phil. Uh, now, Dr. Phil McGraw's got a brand-new book. you got to check it out, We've Got Issues. And uh, I recommend getting two copies of the book, of course, one for yourself, one to give away from somebody that might benefit from it. Now, Dr. Phil, uh, we have probably about a minute to go, but before we, I just want to set the stage because I want to talk about your, your new TV project. Uh, I know you, you'd been with CBS for, for a very long time and uh, you're going out on your own. So I want to talk about that. You also made some interesting comments uh, a moment ago. You said that you're concerned about uh, a lot of the issues facing this country. And one of which is a, a border that is insecure. And uh, we had both uh, former President Trump and current President Biden both at the border today underscoring that point. And uh, you had some comments on that. I think this is very important that we uh, talk about as well. And there's there's also uh, the book. I want to get into the book as much of it as we can. So, folks, we're on again with Dr. Phil McGraw. The book is We've Got Issues. Now, Dr. Phil, is there a preferred website for people to get the book, uh, or is it just Amazon? What's the best way to get it? You know, Amazon is great. That's a great place to get the book. It'll get there the next morning, and uh, they've got plenty available. That's a great place to go. All right, folks, stick around. The music means we're coming right back. Dr. Phil with me, Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. The phone number, if you want to join us, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't move a muscle. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
All right, America, we return with Dr. Phil. You know him from TV. Uh, he's uh, been a, a mental health expert on television for, for decades, and he's written a brand-new book, We've Got Issues. I recommend getting two copies, one for yourself, one to give away. And, Dr. Phil, you were on The View this week, and we talked a little bit about what that was like, and you've also made some comments about the the border and how the border presents a danger to children that are being smuggled and then trafficked for labor, for sex, for a number of different things, abuse. And and it, it seems to be underreported. Um, expand on that. Well, thank you for letting me address that, because it's absolutely heartbreaking. I, I, it doesn't matter to me where the children are from. Uh, if, if, if this is their fate and, uh, you know, I met with border guards down there. I, I went down there. I, I walked the river. I, I walked some of the areas that they, um, go when they come across. Uh, I talked to some landowners and ranchers down there. I got in all terrain vehicles and, hmm. uh, rode around. I got in a helicopter and, uh, they flew me up and down the river and we saw large groups coming across here and there. Um, and, you know, I was asking Brandon Judd, he's the uh, president of the union, uh, yeah, I believe. He's actually it, scheduled it, it, to be on the program uh, like in an hour. An terrific hour guy. Terrific guy. Give him my regards. And you can I ask will. him about our conversation. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I asked him, I said, these kids are coming across and they've got addresses and phone numbers written on their arms or their their uh, stomach or leg or something. And and we call that and see if somebody up there acknowledges them. Uh, but I said, I'm concerned uh, about what we know about where we're sending them. And I said, is it possible that we're actually using taxpayer dollars to send these kids, facilitate selling these children into sex slavery, prostitution, sweatshops? And he said, it's not possible. It's happening. I can tell you it's happening. And it's a monstrous thing, was his quote, but there's nothing we can do about it. We, you know, that we've got somebody that vouches for them and says they're expecting them and they know them. I said, well, do you DNA test to see if they're uh, even related to the people they're coming across with? He said, we, not anymore. We used to be able to. We can't do that anymore. So I said, why, why have you not ever, why are we not talking about this? He said, nobody's ever asked me this question as pointed and direct as you are right now. And I'm grateful that you are. Um, and, and he was grateful. Let me tell you, these men and women down there, Rich, are mm-hmm. dedicated professionals, but they signed up to be guards, to be soldiers. And now they're acting as social workers because they're having to catch these guys that aren't coming through a port of entry, these men, women, children, and they have to process them. And when they do, they, they just give them a, a date for a court and some papers and turn them loose. But usually it's with funding and money and transportation. So they've just become kind of travel agents, social workers, and it's very frustrating for them. Yeah, it really is heartbreaking. I, I often say on this program that we've taken so many of the men and women uh, from the Border Patrol and turned them from border agents into travel agents because people come through, they go right to where they need to go, their next ex- destination, their next uh, sanctuary city, and it, it's unfortunate. And the, the kids that are being smuggled in, trafficked in, uh, seem to be lost in the shuffle. And every now and again, I'll hear a story, you know, doing late-night radio here. We We get stories from all over the country about, 
you know, a raid on a poultry factory or here or there, and you'll hear about a 12-year-old that lost a, a, an arm mangled in a machine, and it's always certainly some child that's in the country that came through the border, you know, claimed to have a family and just gets lost in the shuffle. And there was some 85,000 kids uh, last I checked that were unaccounted for. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, folks with a platform like yours are, are talking about this because, it, you know, I think a lot of people talk about it, but it just doesn't get anywhere because the echo chamber of media and uh, and uh, the television world, it they're just they're selling the best story they can sell that does well for ratings. And uh, kids being trafficked, I think, is not always the a ratings killer, if you know what I mean. And it's unfortunate. But thank you for that. I'm grateful as well. Now, I wanted well, to ask I, you, know, you. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You, you, you talk. Well, I was just going to ask you about about the the television world uh, because I know that you, um, you you wrapped up your your contract recently in 2023, and now you've got uh, plans for a new endeavor. And I wanted to learn more about it. Well, thank you for asking. And uh, I, I was on CBS for 21 years. I'm still in business with them. I've got. Uh, one of the number one uh, dramas in, in prime time was So Help Me, Todd. Uh, we've got some others in the wings that are going into production. Uh, they've been wonderful partners over 21 years, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the things that we've done together, and I'm so proud of the work that uh, in 21 years that we've been able to, to do. But um, I'm going from one hour a day, uh, five days a week, to uh, my own network, uh, which is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we're going to have, you know, four hours of news every day. We're going to have my show in prime time. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of, um, uh, a lot of programming uh, with different people. Nancy Grace is going to be part of our uh, true crime vertical, uh, Bear Grills, Micro, uh, other folks that are going to be uh, involved in what we're doing. We have some big announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks. We launch April 2nd. I was going to launch at the beginning of April, and I thought, April Fool's Day is probably not the best day to launch something. <laughs> so I think I'll wait one more day. Um, Love that. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, you know, we're going to do something really novel with the news. I'm curious how you think about it. We're going to tell people what happened and then shut up about it. We're going to let them decide whether it's good news or bad news. We're going to let them decide what kind of spin they want to put on it. We're going to let them use their intellect and not insult them by telling them how they're supposed to interpret something. And uh, I think they're hungry for that. I think it's a, it's a, it's an approach that people miss and uh, we're going to do it. We want to, we want to have a destination network that people can turn on in the morning, leave on all day long and not be afraid their kids are going to walk in and see something they wish they hadn't seen. Wow. Well, I mean, it's refreshing. The news part sounds fantastic. I, I think uh, that's exactly what people want. I think a lot of people tune into this show uh, for that reason, because, uh, yeah, I give my opinion on a lot of things. But uh, ultimately, I, I always try to be fair and give the other side a chance to, to say what they have to say, whether it's through, you know, an, a full context audio recording or having them on when they agree to come on. Believe it or not, it's not easy to get people on when they know you disagree with them. But that's why, because I think people should be able to make their mind and, and you know, hear the opposing viewpoints and you, you make up what you want to do. That's ultimately our free agency, right? That's what we do as people. We're thinking people and we should be treated as such. Well, I agree completely. And I want to own the debate lane in America. I do want to give both sides a platform. And if there's two sides of an issue, then I'll open the platform to them on my show. And 
now I'm not going to platform like crazy hate groups like KKK or skinheads yeah. or something, but I'm talking about people that have a legitimate approach to an issue. And I'm going to approach it the way I always have. We're going to look at these issues through the eyes of the people that are impacted by it. Because I talk to real people with real challenges looking for real solutions. That's what I've always done. That's what I'm going to continue to do. It's just now their questions and their challenges are broader. They now include social issues. They now include what their children are getting exposed to in school all the way from kindergarten through college. I mean, in school, in college, We've got professors that are teaching this equality of outcome as some kind of a philosophy. That's not how America was built. That's been tried. It didn't work. We've got several hundred thousand corpses to prove it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And yet they're in there teaching equality of outcome. You can't have one guy sitting home in a beanbag eating Cheetos all day and somebody else out working their tail off 12 hours a day and have the same outcome. You've got a different quality of input. You're going to have a different outcome. I agree with that. Folks, we're on with Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil McGraw. He's the author of the brand new book, We've Got Issues, How You Can Stand Strong for America's Soul and Sanity. And uh, we're going to talk about that uh, and continue. On. I'm going to pull on this thread of equality of outcomes because I think that's a huge problem that we face. And if we don't nip it in the bud, we're going to pay the price for, uh, for years to come. And uh, Dr. Phil, let everybody know how they can check out the new network. Well, um, the new network launches April 2nd, as I say, and you're not going to be able to get out of the way of it because we're going to be on uh, cable, streaming, terrestrial, fast channels, uh, everywhere you can imagine. So uh, you're going to be able to find us on all the major uh, cable carriers. Uh, if, If you've got a smart TV with built-in rabbit ears, you're going to be able to find us because we've got full-power television stations in a lot of major markets. Um, I think we'll open somewhere between 75 and 90 million homes. I think it'll be the biggest launch since Fox. You know, we had ABC, NBC, and CBS, and then along came Fox. I think this is going to be uh, as as big or bigger launch than uh, than Fox because we're going to be in a lot of homes, and I want I, I just want people to sample us and I just ask this, you know, Rich, I ask people to listen to, to what I have to say on my show in primetime and, and answer two questions. Number one, do I have the right message? And number two, am I the right messenger? And if the answer to those questions are yes, then I ask them to get behind us and support what we're doing. Amen to that. Folks, we're coming right back with Dr. Phil. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Mr. Call Screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We're on with Dr. Phil. And Dr. Phil, uh, we're talking about your book, and you mentioned um, universities and the things that people are learning in universities. And again, the book, We've Got Issues, How You Can Stand Strong for America's Soul and Sanity, by Dr. Phil, get two copies. Trust me, give one away. They'll thank you. And Dr. Phil, when when you wrote this book, what did you have in mind? What was the impetus behind everything? You know, I was um, 
really concerned that families in America are under attack, as I kind of said when we first started talking mm-hmm. uh, just in passing. But I think the backbone of any society is the family. And I think whenever you uh, whenever you look at what's happening in America right now, um, families seem to kind of be headed towards disintegration, certainly disconnection. And, and I think that this is something that we've got to decide that we're going to change the, the trajectory on. Uh, church membership has dropped below 50% in America for the first time in this country's history. Uh, people are on their phones all the time. They're, um, more transient than ever. And, I always tell parents, you're not going to be the only voice in your child's ear. You better make sure you're the best voice in their ear. And I don't think that uh, we realize how much information they're getting. There are some segments of the population that is reported get 100% of their news from TikTok. And um, I I think that is dangerous, and I think it's bad. I think that we've got people that are trying to hijack the narrative. And I look at what's happening in the schools. 30% of fifth graders cannot read a simple sentence. Uh, A similar number, uh, percentage of eighth graders cannot read at the most basic level. And 19% of college grad or high school graduates can't read a simple prescription when they go pick it up at the pharmacy, but yet they're graduating from high school. Um, We're, you know, right now, uh, when when you look at where we stand on uh, the world stage, uh, we're really sliding down the pole. We're 34th uh, in science. We're 16th in math. We're 9th in reading. We used to be number one across the board in all of these things, and we're mm-hmm. not. Um, a, an infant that's born... In America, there are 50 countries in this world where that infant has a better chance of surviving than in America. Can you believe that? There there are 50 countries where the mother has a better chance of surviving than in America. Um, So we we, we need to wake up and say, wait a minute here. We, We need to get back to some common sense and decide what values we think are really important in this country. And I set out 10 principles that I think are essential for a healthy society, a healthy culture. And number one, for example, is be who you are on purpose. Be who you are on purpose. That means live with intention and own it. Own it. Don't make excuses for it. Don't apologize for it. And that requires sitting down and thinking, what is it I really care about? What matters to me? And I'm not going to compromise on those values. Another one is we need to stop trying to win arguments and start trying to solve problems. And let me tell you, that's not just semantics or a clever saying. That is a very different approach. And we need to get people to start solving problems. And right now we got a bunch of right fighters out there wanting to get in each other's face and bark. That's not getting us where we need to be. we got to start collaborating and solving problems, and we can do that in America. We've proven we can do it. We can do it again. Folks, we're on with Dr. Phil, and we're discussing his brand-new book, and I recommend you get a copy for yourself and one to give away. We've Got Issues, How You Can Stand Strong for America's Soul and Sanity. Dr. Phil, when people uh, get this book and they, um, they crack it open, 
What's your number one hope that they take away when they've finished the last page? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked it just that way, Rich, because I think a lot of people are going to read things in this book that they agree with intuitively, but they also say, you know, I've had people pushing agendas and narratives on me, and I felt in my heart that they just weren't right, but I didn't have the facts to push back with. Well, you know what? I, I took a year and a half writing this book because I researched it so deeply and really got into the literature. And what you're going to find is that you, you leave this book with the facts you need. When somebody comes and tries to sell you a bill of goods, you can say, wait a minute, that is absolutely not true. And let me tell you what is true. And it's fact, not opinion. And I think that people feel are going to feel really prepared to stand their ground. You know, the, the percentage of people that are unwilling to take a risk of speaking up has tripled since 1950. It's tripled since 1950. And we don't need that. We need people to be willing to stand up and, and use some common sense here. We've gotten so this over-inclusiveness of our language the Justice Department doesn't even want to call felons felons anymore. They want to call them mm -hmm. justice-involved persons. Seriously? So your loved one wasn't murdered. They got inter they intersected with a justice-involved person. Your, your loved one wasn't raped. They didn't deal with the rapist. They dealt with a justice-involved person because we don't want to hurt the criminal's feelings. Unreal. Dr. Phil, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Folks, get a couple of copies of this book, We've Got Issues, How You Can Stand Strong for America's Soul and Sanity. Dr. Phil, thanks for being here tonight. Godspeed and good luck with the new TV network. Thank you so much, Riz. Great talking to you. Likewise. Let's do it again soon. All right, folks, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, we go to the phones with your calls. Let's go to Lance in Galloway, New Jersey, W-O-N-D in the building. Lance, what's up? Hey, Rich. Good evening, Rich. Uh, that was an excellent uh, interview and basically uh, a lesson to be learned and heeded by Dr. Phil, but your, uh, I like the way he actually acknowledged your last question that you asked him, what does a person walk away with? Well, the only, uh, I, and I, that made me think about how we've lost sight of what a work ethic is. And not only that, whereas within these, the schooling, the different tiers of school, preschool, elementary, middle, and then high school, there, there is no support services or a scaffold, and it br brings me back to the formula for work. work right. Well, Lance, we're going to have to hold on. Maybe you could call back for open phones because the music means we've got to go. But I echo your point that we need to kind of reinvent that work ethic and drill it back home. Folks, we're coming right back. We're going to talk about the Russian space threat. And then Brandon Judd, the one Dr. Phil mentioned, he's coming up on the show as well. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez. 
Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, welcome back to the program, hour number two, Thursday night edition. Our phone number, if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. And the president of the United States, Joe Biden, was at the border, um, not the same border Trump was at today, uh, because the 45th president, uh, former President Trump, was also at the border, and they had these dueling visits. We'll get into that at the bottom of the hour. Plus, we have uh, some other noticias, some other news. Uh, the lawmakers were grilling Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who, uh, while he was making his testimony, was forced to admit that America was safer when Trump was in office because Vladimir Putin had not launched any incursions into Ukraine or any of the other neighbors that Russia has uh, in Europe. And that was an interesting thing. But beyond that, there's uh, there's news out there, right? There's news out there about how uh, today the Telegraph is reporting how Vladimir Putin plans to flood the West with migrants, uh, with Russia using uh, private militias to control and weaponize immigration into Europe. And this is an interesting thing because I think we saw some of this um, in in Germany and, and throughout other places. And I'm wondering, will this happen in the United States as well? We shall see. Um, I'm, I'm presuming it's that's we're on the list. The next uh, next place that they want to go ahead and do what they do. Now, something else that I find interesting <clears throat> is this conversation that we've had for the last couple of weeks. There were some folks in Congress on the Intelligence Committee that were sounding the alarm because they said Russia and Putin, they've launched this, um, or they plan to launch these these weapons in space. And some were saying it has to end, and they were saying they were sounding the alarm because they wanted to get more Ukraine funding. While others, including a former Space Force veteran who was on this program, said this is nothing new. This is something Russia has done for a long time. They might be upping the ante and putting new weapons, but it's not uh, a new threat. It's something we're well aware of. And either way, I'm wondering, you know, what what the story is, uh, because now you've got the Sun reporting um, this headline. Putin's red button threatening to nuke the West after accusing NATO of planning to strike Russia in a rambling speech. And I think this is typically the rhetoric we hear from Putin, where he says, well, this one's coming after me. That one's coming after me. And I'm just defending myself. And they're at my border and they've got biolabs and they've got this and they've got that. Right. And he whatever excuse he can come up with to make a move. And that's kind of how Putin operates. But I don't know. I don't have all the facts. So I want to get to somebody I think who can help us uh, make a little bit more sense of this. And that's not me, but it's Richard Levine. He was an advisor to former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on strategic weapons issues. And he's the author of the new book, Pillars for Freedom. Richard B. Levine, welcome, sir. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. So when you hear these 
these reports that Putin is is becoming more aggressive with uh, his his space program. What's your initial reaction and what light could you shed on it for us? Well, I think we're in a much better position today because of Donald Trump's creation of the Space Force. And there are new weapons, Uh, the hypersonic glide vehicle, Mm. which could be put into orbit. Russia has the avant-garde system. It can be launched from a very large ballistic missile, uh, the successor missile to the SS-18 that was uh, around in the time of Ronald Reagan. They have a newer version. And what that can do is orbit the planet. It might even be disguised a different type of hypersonic glide vehicle as a satellite and then it could enter and maneuver in our atmosphere. And what Donald Trump did was very prescient. They launched a program called the Hypersonic and Ballistic Tracking Space Sensor. Now, the first part of the constellation of satellites, because when a hypersonic glide vehicle enters the atmosphere at over 20 times the speed of sound in the case of the type that would be in orbit, they have an immense infrared signature. And Donald Trump's satellites have just been launched this month, the first group. So it it shows that we have to be prepared. And I believe the Biden administration's fear of escalation is, in fact, inherently destabilizing for it demonstrates weakness, which the Kremlin always uses to its advantage. So thank goodness that we had a president who had foresight in this domain. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And, uh, and I think uh, we heard uh, an audio clip of Lloyd Austin earlier today um, testifying before uh, Congress and mentioning that in many ways. Uh, he tried to get around it and throw a butt here and there, but uh, ultimately he was forced to admit that there were no new incursions from Russia at that time. And I think t- Trump was not only just prescient, but he, he also uh, was uh, aware of what you just underscored, that strength has to be perceived and, and weakness will be exploited. And I think uh, the Russians smell a lot of weakness in Biden, and we see that happening now, and that's why all these different um, moves are being made. So, Richard B. Levine, uh, what do you think is the next move for Putin? Well, Putin, uh, his conventional forces are being used up. They've had to take tanks, literally, uh, T-52, which, as the name suggests, was first deployed in 1952, out of the stockyards, and what they are doing now is essentially uh, reconditioning old material from the Soviet years and putting them on the front into uh, essentially trench warfare and meat grinder operations. Uh, Several years back, a colleague of mine from the Reagan years, Ambassador Paula Dobryansky, who hails from a uh, just a marvelous family of Ukrainian Americans. Her father was Lev was an ambassador for Ronald Reagan. We authored a series of op-eds saying you have to get 
the M1 tanks and the F-16s and the Patriot missiles into the hands of the Ukrainians. But critically, even the best military equipment has to function as a group. In other words, you have to have air superiority to protect the tanks and the tanks working with various combat vehicles to protect the infantry in combined arms operations. And you have to proceed from the Army Field Manual that exists to this day in the U.S. Army, the concept of mass. What does mass mean? It means bringing together enough military assets and force to be decisive, to exert decisive lethality. What the Biden administration has done with Secretary Blinken and Secretary Austin is just dole out these military assets piecemeal without a strategy that would allow Ukraine to act decisively. And this has been, uh, it's cost lives both on the Ukrainian and on the Russian side, because this war, I believe, could have been ended if we acted as Ronald Reagan would have acted. And if you want to know, Rick, what Ronald Reagan would have done, and I served him for eight years, six years in the White House as Director of Policy Development on the National Security Council staff, I could tell you, the first thing he would do is demonstrate unimpeachable strength, not only in Europe, but also in the Middle East and the Indo-Pacific at the same time. Second, he would speak past Putin to the Russian people. And this is what he did with St. John Paul uh, to galvanize the spirit mm -hmm. of freedom and liberty in what was Eastern Europe. That was, of course, part of the Warsaw Pact at the time. And then last, he would demand from the U.S. military, the State Department, and the U.S. intelligence community an integrated U.S. strategy, not just end the war in the Ukraine, but to create stability and a future for all people, including first Ukrainians, but also the Russian people. None of that is occurring today. Right. Yeah. If anything, uh, we barely have our current president talking to the American people, let alone uh, speaking directly to the Russian people. Folks, we're on with uh, Richard B. Levine. He's an advisor to former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on strategic weapons issues. He's also the author of the new book, Pillars for Freedom. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the book when we come back. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We are on with Richard B. Levine, advisor to former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on strategic weapons issues, and he's the author of the new book, Pillars for Freedom. And 
Richard B. Levine, tell us a little bit about this book, Pillars for Freedom. Why did you write it? Well, it really came out of the last three years of work with Secretary Pompeo and with other former officials uh, with whom I work. And the question was, what is the true crisis America faces? And I believe fundamentally America faces an ethical and not a political crisis because functional politics, politics that actually serve true human needs, materialize from a shared morality. America is strongest when we express our founding and its principles. We are weakest when we deny the founding and our Judeo-Christian heritage, and we foolishly cast aside this priceless heritage that allows us to come together as one people. For truly, we will either rise as one people, or we shall fall as many. Yeah, Uh, true yet scary. And what can readers that pick up a copy of the book expect from perusing uh, Pillars for Freedom? Well, first, they're going to understand the foundations upon which the pillars rest. What are the foundations? Vision, faith, our history, sound borders, strong families, education, scientific integrity. The four pillars I talk about that rest on that foundation, and you need all of that or the pillars will sink into sand. You have to have a firm foundation. The pillars are economic security, uh, energy dominance, strong conventional forces and alliances, and what we just talked about, strategic forces involving nuclear weapons and what I propose is a strategic defense initiative too to follow up what Ronald Reagan started so that we could defend ourselves from space given all the threats we face. And of course now we also have to be concerned that a weapon that could kill millions of people could be held in the palm of some scientist's hand. And of course, I speak about deadly viruses. Uh, And there are other agents of that type that can also be lethal and literally created in one laboratory if you have the right uh, people with the right expertise working on it. And that is just terrifying. We have to get a handle on all these threats. And for that, we need principled leadership. And of course, I believe that leadership has to come from Donald Trump. Richard Levine, wise words. And with, uh, seems like half a century of experience, uh, in, in Washington and, and dealing with, uh, the, the, the threat from, from Russia and the weapons related to those threats. Do you see a Putin that relents, should there be another Trump administration, or does he become even more emboldened? I don't think he'll become more emboldened. I do think that Putin is an oscillating force. Uh, A year ago, 
he put on a different visage because he wanted to intimidate the West and the Biden administration, and he has done so to a large degree. I think when faced with the strength of Donald Trump, and again, Donald Trump has to present, and I believe he he will present, a multidimensional defense of the West and our values. That means using hard power. That means using soft power. That also means using what the Chinese have recently mastered, which is sharp power or or else stratagems to force Putin into a mode where we perhaps might make headway. But truly, we have to think also of a post-Putin time. And what Mm. we do not want is a fusion of China and Russia to be a pan-Eurasian colossus that could literally stretch uh, from the Indo-Pacific to the steppes of Europe, because Russia might wind up as a highly weakened country that could be uh, captured in, in many respects by a more dominant China. So we have to be concerned about that constellation. And of course, then you have Iran, you have North Korea. And mm-hmm. what is needed to face that is American strength. We cannot know the future, but we do know that weakness begets war. That is the lesson of history for the last 150 years. In fact, you could go back millennia with that. Folks, we're on with Richard B. Levine. He's the author of Pillars for Freedom, an exploration of the pillars of America's national power and the foundations and principles on which they rest. Uh, Richard, let everybody know uh, the best place to get a copy of the book. If there's a website or a social media handle, feel free to mention that as well. Well, uh, certainly uh, Fidelis Publishing, uh, but also Amazon, Barnes & Noble, literally any place where books are sold. And people can look up Fidelis Publishing if they want to go directly to the publisher or to their favorite bookseller. All right. Well, that's where you get the book. Folks, Richard Levine, thank you, sir. You're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot, and I appreciate you staying up late with us tonight. Folks, we come back with Brandon Judd, some talk about the dueling visits at the border and more. I'm Rich Valdez. This is a Joe Biden invasion. This is a Biden invasion over the past three years. I call him Crooked Joe because he's crooked. He's a terrible president, the worst president our country's ever had, uh, probably the most incompetent president we've ever had. But it's uh, allowing thousands and thousands of people to come in from China, Iran, Yemen, the Congo, Syria, 
and a lot of other nations, many nations are not very friendly to us. He's transported the entire columns of uh, fighting-aged men, and they're all at a certain age, and you look at them, and they say, they look like warriors to me. Something's going on that's bad. Now the United States is being overrun by the Biden migrant crime. It's a new form of uh, vicious violation to our country. It's migrant crime. We call it Biden migrant crime, but that's a little bit long. So we'll just leave it. But every time you hear the term migrant crime, you know where that comes from. <laughs> you got to love the marketing genius behind El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, Biden migrant crime. And, and he's he's 100 percent right. Right. And I think he's in his glory right now and not uh, because he's gloating, uh, because uh, nobody wants to be right about that. When you say back in 2015, um, you know, they're sending their rapists and, you know, and he was right. We're seeing crime after crime after crime uh, per- perpetrated by these illegal aliens that are here uh, at the invitation of Joe El Baboso Biden. Now, somebody that was with President Trump at his visit to the border. And again, these are dueling visits, right? You had Trump at the border at Eagle Pass where all the action is. And then you had Biden at uh, the Brownsville Border Patrol Station where there's not as much uh, border crossings going on, but somebody that was there is Brandon Judd. He's president of the National Border Patrol Council, and uh, he's here with us now. Brandon Judd, welcome back, sir. Reg, good to be with you. Thank you. You bet. Uh, about an hour ago, I was talking to Dr. Phil McGraw, and he was telling me, <laughs> he said, I talked to this guy. He's really good. His name's Brandon Judd. I said, oh, you know, what? he's going to be on the show in a little bit. He said, send him my regards. So I, I, I promised that I would, and I did. Uh, that was kind of him. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. So now you're hanging out with Trump uh, over there at Eagle Pass where all the action is going down. And you're you're at the border and doing what you do as uh, the president of the Border Patrol Council. And and it, he, he's unleashing on Biden and, and rightfully so. What was the vibe like for everybody that's listening and saw it on the news? But, you know, give us the behind the scenes. Um, were, were people excited and enthused? Were people upset? Was it a plethora of emotions? What say you? No, there were there was an awful lot of excitement, and there was even people on the Mexican side of the border that was waving to him and, and saying hi. Um, people from uh, on both sides of the border they recognize what's going on and how it's uh, destabilizing their community, how, how illegal immigration is destabilizing their community. Um, the constant flow of these these people through these communities it's hurting all communities, not just in the United States, but it's hurting communities in Mexico. And so you saw people that were on the Mexican side of the border that were actually waving hi and, and, and saying hi to President Trump. And, and he was very magnanimous. He waved back to him. Uh, but even on our side, you know, in, in Eagle Pass, which has a uh, Democrat mayor, Democrat city council, you know, it, even even in Eagle Pass, they were excited to have him there because they're very tired of, of constantly having to deal with this constant flow of illegal illegal aliens that they cross our borders, but it's not just illegal aliens; it's the drug, it's the it's the drugs, it's the crimes, it's everything that the cartels are willing to bring into our country, and they're they're very tired of it. So they they were very very excited to see him there. You know, about a month ago, uh, I was I uh, visited Medellin, Colombia, and it was beautiful. I had a good time, but something that I noticed was everything was for sale while I was there. Everything. I mean, I was at a at a cafe and sitting there, and a guy came by selling handicapped placards to hang in your car. And he was just holding. I mean, everything was for sale, and it wasn't like he stole it from somebody's car. They were like printing them and selling them. 
and somebody came by selling like designer belts. Everything was for sale. And so when you mentioned it's whatever the cartel can, they will sell just about anything. Right. And if, if we give them an opportunity to smuggle it in, they're going to smuggle it in. And it seems the, the most um, uh, valuable commodities to the cartel right now are women, children, young men, you know, humans, uh, smuggling humans and smuggling drugs. Do you feel like we're getting better, we're getting worse or are things staying the same? No, it's getting a lot worse because the cartels constantly evolve. They watch us. They understand the ebbs and flows in our politics here in the United States. They watch our operations. Um, they watch how we, we operate. And, and, you know, when I came in the Border Patrol in 1997, there were a lot of mom-and-pop organizations. Uh, and so it was, it was small time. Now, these are transnational criminal organizations. They don't just operate in Mexico. They, uh, they surveil us from inside of the United States as well as Mexico. So these are very sophisticated organizations, and they're constantly evolving, whereas we stay the same, at least for the last three years. We've been staying exactly the same. No new operations, no new policies, nothing that's been new that we can disrupt, dis, disrupt these cartels. So they're controlling. They, they understand how they can control certain stretches of border, and they're very good at doing that and, and depleting our resources so that they can get their higher-value products across. And that's why we have so many United States citizens that are dying because of fentanyl poisoning. Yeah, I, I listen, I agree with you. I think it, it's tragic. And the amount of um, of trafficking that we see both uh, for labor and for sex, it's just uh, it's it's astounding to me that this is happening and we're, we're not hitting the brakes faster um, and, and no fault of yours. Right. I mean, you've got your hands tied. It's really Joe Biden. And when Joe Biden shows up at the border uh, in Brownsville today, uh, I have a short clip of something he said. I want you to hear it and I want to get your reaction. Check this out. It's time to act. It's long past time to act. I just received a briefing from the Border Patrol at the border, as well as immigration and enforcement, asylum officers, and they're all doing incredible work under really tough conditions. Really tough conditions. They told me what they, what, what you already know and we already know. They desperately need more resources. Say it again. They desperately need more resources, need more agents, more officers, more judges, more equipment in order to secure our border. Folks, it's time for us to move on this. We can't wait any longer. Brandon Judd, president of the Border Patrol Council, when you hear that, how do you feel? And are the men and women of the Border Patrol that you represent, are they happy with President Biden? Rich, I am so ticked off right now just listening to that. Um, I, I have said this time and time again. We do not need more resources. We have already proven that we can secure the border with what we have right now. We do not have to pass this on to the taxpayer. We just need policy. Policy does not cost us anything. If he would give us the proper policy, we could secure the border tomorrow. He knows that. He understands that. So what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to deflect. And he's going to try to say, resources, give me money, let's surge more um, technology, infrastructure, um, personnel. We don't need that rich. We need policy. We can do with what we have right now, and we can secure the border tomorrow. Folks, we're on with Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council, and, and you heard it here that they don't need more resources. These are capable men and women that love this country and are willing to do the job and are hamstrung 
with their hands tied by Biden, Mayorkas, and the rest of these clowns in Washington. We're going to continue this conversation. I've got a couple of more clips of audio to play. Folks, we're on with Brandon Judd. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations, everybody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing? Are people listening, right? But you're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. I understand my predecessor's an eagle pass today. So here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing politics with this issue, instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, Join me, or I'll join you, in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. We can do it together. You know and I know it's the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security bill this country has ever seen. So instead of playing politics with the issue, why don't we just get together and get it done? Let's remember who the heck we work for. We work for the American people, not the Democratic Party, the Republican Party. We work for the American people. And let's remember who we are. We're the United States of America. And no, I mean this. Think about this. There's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity. Nothing when we work together. And if all things we should be working together on is this, we have the formula to get it done. That is, of course, President Biden at the Border Patrol station in Brownsville, Texas today, um, yelling at Trump, saying, listen, we got to get it done. I'm surprised he didn't shake hands with the Easter Bunny, tell the crowd that they're not black and call them a bunch of tacos. This is what Biden does as he's falling up the stairs and he has the nerve to criticize Trump. Brandon Judd is the president of the Border Patrol Council, and he's with us now. Brandon Judd, again, you hear President Biden making these remarks at Brownsville today. What say you? Yeah, again, it just really frustrates me every single time he speaks. Where was he for the last three years? Where was he when he could simply give us policy? We don't need legislation. I I want legislation because that will tie the hands of bad presidents going forward. Legislation lives beyond a president, whereas executive orders go away once a president leaves office. Um, But he can control what we're seeing right now through executive order. And by the way, Rich, he doesn't even need executive order. The secretary of DHS, the attorney general, all they have to do is surge asylum officers to the border, give credible fears immediately. Um, DOJ have their uh, immigration judges surge them to the border let them handle the appeals uh, when when a credible fear when they fail and they they appeal that let the the immigration judges handle it immediately if we were to do that first in last out we would control this right now he doesn't even have to have executive orders 
to do this. All he has to do is use the authority that he has right now, and we can secure the border. So when he calls on President Trump, and, and this is not politics, I know why President Trump did not support this, this border security package. He understands that if he steps in office, he can do more. And if you pass a border security um, package right now, there's not going to be the appetite to pass a better one in, in, you know, when, he, when he's in office. It takes a long time to pass laws. I've gotten two laws passed. Uh, one law took me six years. Another law wow. took me four years. It takes a long time to get laws passed. He recognizes and he understands that. So he's saying to himself, I can step in office and I can control everything through executive order while I'm getting the right law passed. And he can do that. So he understands that it's not it absolutely is not politics to him. For me, I'm looking at it and I'm comparing the border security measures to our current laws. And I'm saying I need something now. You talk to any one of the agents and they're begging for help right now. So if I can get anything, I will take it because that's how dire it is. Whereas Trump is not playing politics whatsoever. He understands what is necessary. And, and here's what's really interesting mm-hmm. about President Trump. Okay? I've known him for, for many, many years. We have had robust conversations. We have not always agreed, but he can work with people that, that he doesn't always agree with. President Biden cannot. You'll notice that he didn't invite me because he knows that what I'm going to tell him is what he doesn't want to hear. And there is absolutely no conversation. If you do not agree with him 100 percent, you're out with President Trump. He can work with people that might have small policy disagreements. He can work with people that, that don't see eye to eye all the time. And that's what the independent voters, that's what they need to see. Because this election largely is going to go through the independent voters. My home state of Arizona, um, I believe now there are more registered independents than there are Republicans and Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, so largely this, this, this election is going to go through independent voters and they need to recognize that Biden is the person that if you do not agree with him 100%, you're out. Trump can work with people and, and have those conversations to try to arrive at the best decision. Trump is not playing politics with this. Brandon Judd, president of the Border Patrol Council, I think you're spot on. And listen, this is uh, something, um, you know, I share with you in, in my work. I've invited Biden on the show, AOC on the show, Louis Farrakhan on the show. Now, I never get an answer from them. Right? <laughs> it's it, it, sometimes people don't want to have conversations that are uncomfortable for them. But, you know, I'm glad you laid it out because I, I think Biden get, gets out there and uh, the media does a lot of his work for him. And they go out there and they make it look like. Uh, you know, everything's being done and it's just you guys are broke and you don't have any money. And, and the only way you could do this is if we is if we pass all these laws and as if laws are going to stop people from coming. And I think it's his invitation. All right. And 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 uh, Mayorkas turning a blind eye to everything. And it reminds me of of, you know, when they came into office, they were all but bragging about turning back. Uh, and rescinding all of the policies that Trump had put in place, like remain in Mexico, ending catch and release, uh, you know, kind of fortifying uh, uh, the the command presence that you guys have at the border. And, and it seems to me all of those things are, are not around anymore. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. What steps do we need to take in order to secure the border right now? 
So what's interesting about that is is Biden knows exactly what needs to be done. Um, I am not a partisan individual. My organization is not partisan. Um, we will support anybody that supports border security. I personally said I hope that Biden, when, when he first took office, I personally said I hope he succeeds because if he succeeds, the American public succeeds succeeds. If he succeeds, we will have a secure border. So I was hoping that he was going to succeed. I met with Secretary Mayorkas on multiple occasions, and I I personally laid out what he needs to do. I told him, if you get rid of Remain in Mexico, which you shouldn't do, but if you do that, these are the steps that you need to take. This is what you need to do. And by the way, Rich, it it worked within the parameters of what Biden said. I, I, I didn't go outside of that because I know that he's never going to do that. So I stayed within his parameters and told Secretary Mayorkas exactly what he needs to do. What you have to do is you have to ensure that you hold uh, single adults in custody. I'm sorry, not single adults, adults traveling without children. We consider married people single adults. But I know that when you say that, people say, well, you know, married people, that doesn't count. Right. Um, so adults not traveling with children, you must hold them in custody. You can't do it with, with, uh, with children because of the, the Flores consent decree that unfortunately President Clinton entered into. And because of that, children are going to get released. There's nothing you can do about that. You can't pass executive order to say we're going to hold, uh, hold children in, in, in custody. You have to change it by law. But, but we told him, hold adults traveling without children in custody, have rapid DNA testings available so that we do not have these children using these children as, as fake children, if you will. Right. Um, as a tool. And to get once in. you do that, exactly. Once you do that, people will stop coming immediately. You will cut down on 70% of our traffic. And if you do that, then you can handle the family units. You can handle the, the children. You can get them through the process quick enough that you're not releasing them into the interior of the United States. It was that simple, Rich. And if we do, and, and these things have been They proven. didn't do it, did they? Right? No. no. Mayorkas? Yeah, and I know no. that because I remember seeing him on TV bragging about it. I don't want to cut you off, but I'm going to take a pause right here. We're going to come right back with Brandon Judd, president of the Border Patrol Council. And I'm going to play a quick 10 seconds of Alejandro Mayorkas bragging on CNN about how they reversed everything Trump worked so hard to put in place at the border. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich <coughs> Valdez. Night with Rich Valdez. And I'd like to understand from you what Trump era immigration policies have been banned, ended, reversed, and if any investigations are underway by you. Uh, so we have rescinded so many uh, Trump immigration policies, it would take so much time to list them. That's Alejandro Mayorkas bragging about how many Trump-era policies they have rescinded, and now we're paying the price for it. Brandon Judd, I want to thank you for being with us. I think you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Uh, keep giving them hell out there, and let everybody know how they can support the work that you're doing. Uh, you can follow us uh, on X, formerly known as Twitter. Go to at BPUnion, and you will see the best sites you've ever seen. Outstanding. Again, thanks for being here and keep up the great work. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. We've got Open Phone America, your calls and more. 
833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. Open Phone America starts right now. The city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to hour number three of the program, Thursday night edition. This is our late night national town hall conversation, and you're welcome to join us, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And I want to get into a couple of things tonight. Uh, we've had some really robust conversations with Dr. Phil uh, weighing in on and setting the record straight on what happened with The View a couple of days ago. He was with us at the top of hour number one. Then we had uh, the um, expert on Russia and the weapon systems in space, uh, Richard B. Levine. He was uh, a wealth of information. And, of course, uh, the conversation we just wrapped up with Brandon Judd, he's the president of the Border Patrol Council, and he was uh, on site with President Trump at Eagle Pass in Texas today uh, when he gave his um, press conference there. And, of course, that was a dueling uh, press conference with uh, Biden also doing a press conference in Brownsville at the Border Patrol station there. And uh, really, really interesting to see the the juxtaposition between the two of them. And there's plenty uh, to, to discuss, of course, your calls on those topics and everything else that uh, you want to weigh in on. But there's a couple of other stories that I want to cover tonight uh, because there's a lot happening in the news. Uh, one of the first stories I, I want to talk about a little bit uh, just to bring some attention to it is that a judge has held Catherine Herridge, the journalist formerly from Fox News and CBS News, uh, in contempt over her refusal to divulge the sources of the information that she was given. Um she says this is a violation of her First Amendment right as uh, an American and as a journalist, and uh, the judge doesn't care. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to talk about, let's see here, um, where do we go from here? It's Leap Day, by the way. Leap Day happens every four years, so happy Leap Day to you. And let's see, um, the Biden administration's launched a probe into cars made in China. Well, good, they should. A federal judge blocked uh, a Texas bill that would have allowed police to arrest suspected illegal immigrant, uh, illegal, take two illegal immigrants. And there was another really story here that a uh, big story that I wanted to talk about. Let me see. Oh, the, there it is. The Naked Man Festival in Japan. Apparently, there's been a Naked Man Festival in Japan for a thousand years and it's about to end. Crazy, right? Yeah, I, I didn't know about it either. For those of you who are like, hey. I didn't know it. I don't care. Yeah, no, that's a thing. And uh, let me see. Was there another one? There's a few. We'll get we'll get to a few of them. But uh, we'll start with Catherine Herridge because this is, I think, uh, an important 
one because, you know, if if a judge can can force this, then that does that mean? And this is a question, not a statement. But does that mean that journalism is dead? I don't know. But investigative reporter Catherine Herridge was held in contempt of court on Thursday for refusing to reveal the unnamed sources in a series of 2017 articles on a Chinese-American scientist um, that was uh, probed by the FBI. U.S. District Court Judge Christopher Cooper imposed a daily fine of $800 for each day that Herridge, who was recently uh, let go, fired from CBS News as part of their mass layoffs. She's withholding the names of her sources uh, for the Fox News articles that she wrote seven years ago. The veteran journalist, however, has uh, had some time to file an appeal, and let's see what happens with that. But she's repeatedly refused to answer questions about her confidential sources and invoked her First Amendment rights in doing so under oath. The scientist, uh, Yan Ping Chen, is seeking the identities of those who leaked the information from the FBI's investigation into statements that she made. Chen, who was never charged in the probe, sued the government in 2018 over the leak that she claims was used to smear her reputation and damage her livelihood. Herridge's articles focused on China, uh, excuse me, on Chen's ties to the Chinese military, as well as privileged information she received about American service members through a professional school that uh, she founded in Virginia. It's getting better. Now, the judge ruled that Chen's right to know who allegedly leaked the information for the purpose of her lawsuit is paramount to Herridge's free press rights and responsibilities to her sources. Now, let's look at that for a second. So a constitutional right is more important than these uh, procedural issues in a court, right, uh, of knowing who these sources were. And I don't want to downplay that either because, I mean, I guess – one could make the argument that that's a Sixth Amendment claim, right? That I want to be able to um, face my accusers. And if if you don't tell me who, who gave you this information, then they're part and parcel of the accusation. It's worth looking at. I, I understand it. Anyway, uh, Judge Cooper wrote that... Let's see, where did he go, Judge Cooper? Judge Cooper wrote that he recognizes the paramount importance of free press in our society. The court has had its own role to play in upholding the law and safeguarding judicial authority as well. Again, this is a report in the New York Post. Herridge and many other of her colleagues in the journalism community may disagree with that decision and prefer that a different balance be struck, but she's not permitted to flout a federal court's order with her impunity, with impunity, excuse me, that's the judge. So Herridge's lawyer, Patrick Philbin, he uh, declined to comment to the Associated Press, but has previously said that being forced to disclose um, her sources would endanger her career and raise national uh, security concerns over the sensitive information. So, is there a serious risk that Chen was involved in making information about U.S. military members available to the Chinese government? That's the question. The journalist uh, reporting and um, other confidential files that they have in, as part of their investigative story that uh, Herridge was working on has also been the subject of uh, you know lots of debate. So... I don't know the answer to this one. Um, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Does the journalist give up 
her sources to be in compliance with the court? Is the court overstepping? Uh, or does Mr. or Ms. Chen have a, uh, a right to, to know this information? I don't know. You let me know your calls and more coming up straight ahead. 833-482-5337-833-4 Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. an American either losing their life, being raped or assaulted by somebody that Biden has allowed in our country illegally. The fact of the matter is, because of Joe Biden's policies and the more than 8 million people who have crossed the border, the United States of America is being invaded. That is Texas Governor Greg Abbott at the border today uh, with Brandon Judd, President Trump and others. And uh, I think he makes a sound point. Biden is allowing this to happen. We're seeing people get raped. We're seeing people murdered at the hands of uh, El Salvadorian and Venezuelan migrants and others. It's not about where they come from, but it is in so much that um, we know that Bukele is trying to get rid of the criminal element in his country. We know that the violent crime rate has gone down in Venezuela because so many of their violent criminals are here in the United States. And and the whole thing is is shocking, in my opinion. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this. I want to get your thoughts on Catherine Herridge's uh, sources and her legal battle. Let's go to Butte, Montana, KXTL, and check in with Phil. Hey, Phil, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome, sir. Good evening, Rich. I, I just have a, a crazy idea. Uh, these illegals are costing our country a fortune in blood and treasure. Will you not agree? Of course. Okay. Why don't we pay them to self-deport? By the time you would deduct all of what it's costing us anyway, it probably wouldn't be that bad. I'm with you. And I bet you anything, this is part of Trump's plan. I, I, I very much doubt. Trump is not that guy, right? Think of the last time... Uh, you know, he he pulled out a SWAT team and went and did something uh, pretty aggressively. It's not how he rolls. He's more the type to cut the deal and say, All right, what's it going to take? What do we got to do to get you to go back home? Oh, that's all you need? I'll give you this. Take it. Go. And, and I could see him doing something like that and making it uh, the cheapest way to get him out possible and the cheapest way ever 
And uh, it makes sense, and it'll probably be very successful. I think you're onto something there. And if President Trump or people from the Trump team are listening, uh, Phil from Butte, Montana, has got a great idea there. Now, Phil, what do you think about the um, the court uh, imposing this fine of $800 a day to Catherine Herridge for not revealing her sources? Is this woman, uh, Chen, uh, is the right to to know who who's saying these things about her, who released this information to Catherine Herridge, more important than Catherine Herridge, uh, Herridge's uh, right uh, to her First Amendment constitutional rights and protections. Which one is more important? Uh, I'd have to give that some more thought, and I haven't been privy to too much of the story, but yeah. I, I will say this. Let's just say it happened to Donald Trump. <laughs> right. Right. Then we know. Then we know exactly what's happening. If it happened to Trump, we know that they're overreaching. And I, I think you're uh, you're spot on there again. Phil in Butte, Montana, thank you for your call. Uh, let us uh, continue here. Where do we want to go now? I want to go to the next person that was in line. Let's go to Jane. Jane's in Saratoga, New York on WGDJ. Jane, go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Uh, first of all, this is one of the best shows you have ever had. Oh, and thank uh, you. you. have, well, I'll tell you what, you have the best guests. Dr. Phil, he's the one I learned everything that I did from. And the gentleman at the border, the frustration that these people are experiencing is criminal. And mm. as far as a source for that woman, no. When you are a journalist, especially investigative, you never, never reveal a source or, or you're just dirt. And that's basically what you are. Because when you're researching and your people are confiding in you, you don't hang them out to dry. Yeah, I think you're right, Jane. And I appreciate your kind words. Saratoga, New York, WGDJ in the building. Shout out to all of you guys. Let's go to Colfax, California, KNCO, and check in with our friend Chuck. Chuck, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Well, hello, Rich. Um, I wanted to say a little something about the Catherine Heritage thing. Yeah. She's been a great reporter and top-notch all the way. But ever since I was in grammar school, junior high and high school, although I didn't realize what was going on then, from what I've always understood, it was a reporter's right, along with the freedom of the press, that they don't have to reveal their sources. And the reason right. for that is, in the event of a tyrannical government, is that um, that government will go kill that source. They will, they will take that source out. And so Catherine Heritage is being very smart. And it is her constitutional right. And ever since I remember seeing her on TV when I was young, um, the woman's been spot on and uh, um, a total equality individual. So my heart's with the woman as far as, you know, finding her so much per day that will not constitutionally stand. I'm with you. I think you're knocking it out of the park here, Chuck. Uh, I think you're right on, on all accounts. I'm in total agreement. The whole point of having a freedom of the press is for the benefit of the republic. It's a, it is the watchdog that's built into our Constitution. Uh, that's how we hold our government accountable, through the press. And that's why the press have these freedoms in order to do what they do and, and serve its function. And 
if we right now cross that line and say, you know, you have to reveal these sources. And I guess there's always some gray areas, you know, to look at. But by and large, as rule of thumb, I think you have to protect these rights because, A, they're in the Constitution, and B, for everything we just talked about. If, if a journalist is uh, bound to reveal their sources because of a, uh, a perceived national security concern or threat, then guess what? This journalist is ineffective moving forward and will likely not be trusted by any anonymous sources to, to get the real story out. So there goes any whistleblower having faith in Catherine Herridge or anybody else in the future. So I think uh, you're right there. And, and I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the idea that if you're making a claim about me and you're citing an anonymous source, I'm going to want to know who that source is that's talking smack about me, too. But uh, we have to look at it through, I guess, a, a balanced uh, or a nuanced perspective. And uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, let me ask you, uh, with respect to the border, um, what do you what did you make of the dueling appearances between Trump and Biden today? I didn't get um, much of what Biden said. Uh, <clears throat> I got some of what Biden said. And I was really disappointed because he was taking the whole case into um, down a trail that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. uh, President Trump's um, policies were working and he had to fight tooth and nail all the way to get that uh, wall starting to be built. And so it was working. And then when Biden came in, they took away all of the, uh, the tools that our Border Patrol had to work with and made different policies. And it's now it's a total invasion down there on our southern border, and it's starting to poke in on our northern border. And yeah. I, I'm, just totally, uh, I'm just totally disgusted with all that and him trying to... What, what is it? Pull a, you know, the wool over our eyes and say, hey, give me more mm -hmm. authority. No, I would even take a look into the bill. I've never read the bill or anything that they have for more authority for him. But I'm sure that there would be um, a few poison pills in that and, uh, you know, pry bars opening up other issues. I think uh, you sound like a very wise man because uh, I'm in total agreement again. I, I agree. Why on earth would we want to give you more authority when you've already messed up what you with what you have? Right? We don't need more power. We don't need more bills. We've heard it from Brandon Judd, who's on the border on a daily basis. We don't need anything else except to start enforcing existing laws and empower the men and women of the Border Patrol. Uh, Chuck in Colfax, California, KNCO. Big shout out to you guys. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. We're going to continue with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Uh, the phone number 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. We continue with Open Phone America with me, Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. Coming right back.
across America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Now, you've heard about the war on gas. There's a war on gas stoves and all sorts of fossil fuels, but there's also a war on meat. Yep. And Italy, uh, remember about 12 weeks ago, just uh, before the end of the year, Italy banned lab-grown meat. It became the first uh, country in the European Union to do that. Listen to this. Italy is the first nation to say no to synthetic food, to so-called synthetic meat, It does so with a formal and official act. The resolutions called for a commitment to ban the production, marketing, and import of synthetic foods within our territory. These regulations aim to regulate situations where the environment or public health could be at risk, or when there is uncertainty regarding the effects of certain products that are being or will be introduced to the market or consumed. It is crucial to have measures in place to address these potential risks and ensure the safety of the environment and public health in such cases. So, listen, if you're Italian, uh, one of the things you know is meat, right? I mean, you're talking, what are we talking about? Bologna, salami, prosciutto. I mean, these are just a few of the um, um, fantastic meats that, that Italy has to offer. And obviously... They want to protect that. So it makes a lot of sense to ban tofu steak and lab-grown meat. Uh, I don't think any of us should be eating that stuff, right? But there's a war on meat. And kudos to the Italians for standing up uh, to protect their culture and to protect meat. But that's not the case everywhere. You come over here stateside, New York, and you've got the attorney general of New York now suing the world's largest beef producer. Why? Over methane emissions. That's right. We're back to cow farts and climate change. Uh, The Attorney General of New York says that this company's net zero goals aren't feasible considering its high carbon footprint, and they are now coming after them with a lawsuit. And I think this is absolutely, um, it's crazy. And, you know, it's just so hypocritical. The same people that are calling for for this uh, ban on meat, right? Uh, the, one of the reports I'm seeing here in Fox News is um, you've got folks at the U.N. that call to cut back on meat consumption while they're the same people dining on prime rib and, and you know, Kobe beef burgers. And you really just can't have it both ways. You've got to just, I think, let live. And, and, you know, let go and let God. That's the only way to do it. But fascinating how there's an attack on meat. And if I think if we allow it, they will attack every last pleasure that we have. Anyway, I want to get your thoughts on the, the beef with beef and on everything else we're talking about. Let's continue the calls. Let's go to Burlington, Vermont, and check in with Deborah. Deborah's on WVMT with a thought on... Catherine Herridge. Go right ahead, Deborah. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Rich. Great service you, you do for us. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I've always admired Herridge's uh, journalistic work. She's terrific. I was sorry to see her leave Fox. 
anyway, um, she, this judge, Chris Cooper, is an Obama appointee, goes back with he and his wife both go back to the Obama-Biden administration, and they've been backed by uh, Democrats. Senator Reid did closure to uh, get Cooper appointed as a federal judge. And Catherine Harris wrote this uh, um, this material on Chen for Fox News in 2017. Mm-hmm. So I'm not so sure about how blind justice is in this case. You know, I, I think you're, you're spot on here. And um, I'm, it's, uh, it stinks that you're, you're, you're right. <laughs> because um, when I saw this in my, my sidebar commentary during the break with uh, Alex Hinton in the control room was that we're likely going to see this get uh, overturned on an appeal somewhere because ultimately the Constitution can't be trampled. And there's still a group of people that, for the most part, not, you know, there's a good minority and that minority's growing. But for the most part, this group of people stick together when you attack free speech. And they're journalists. There's a handful of journalists that are like so far off to the left that they don't care. But the majority of these journalists realize that that can be them. Right. And then the rest of us fall into that category. Uh, Everyday citizens, talk radio hosts, comedians. Right. Uh, There's a a bunch of people out there that really stand to suffer if we don't have the ability to say what we want and to have that First Amendment be intact. And Catherine Herridge reporting on things that we need to know about and having sources that she feels she can protect and needs to protect in order to do her job effectively it is part of the protection that's built into that First Amendment. And I, I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a tough thing to see that being challenged uh, in a court. And my hope is that she will find uh, some relief in, uh, I guess, in a different court, a higher court that can overturn it. But it's, it saddens me. It really does sadden me because you look at this, Deborah, and you think, man, I thought we were living in America, you know, and and it it seems like every day there's another story out there that kind of underscores how the America that I knew growing up. And again, I'm not old. I'm 45. And it's changed so much. And it just makes me wonder, what's it going to be like for my children growing up, you know, when they're 45? What do you think, Deborah? I worry about that, too. And they said um, in the little research I did after you mentioned that, that the journalistic world is very nervous about this and that the $800 a day fine is being suspended while this is, um, I think she's going to have an opportunity to appeal. Yeah. Listen, I I hope so, too, Uh, because ultimately I think it, it weakens journalism um, if they don't. And as much as um, I may not like it when it's somebody that I don't think is a good reporter or whatever, uh, ultimately we have to stand up for free speech when we can. Otherwise we can all lose it collectively. Deborah in Burlington, Vermont. Thank you for your call. Big shout out to WVMT. And uh, let me see, where do we go here? Let's go to Andrew. Andrew is in Miami. Um, 
calling from WWTK out of Sebring, Florida. Andrew, what's on your mind tonight? How you doing, Rich? Um, Good, after you. living in Sebring, after living in Sebring for five straight years and coming back to Miami, um, and then listening to everybody on the radio as far as you know, immigrants that are coming in undocumented and what have you, it really is a huge problem because. It's just like what happened back in the Mario, the Mario boat lift mm-hmm. where we had all crazy, you know, but now it's like on a grand scale. And I, I lived here during that time. And I remember some of the guys that were, you know, sent over and, you know, in the same breath, just after I got home, I, I stopped a fella from grabbing two little girls uh, in, in my neighborhood. Uh, there's a lot wow. of children in that, in that area. Yeah. And, this fellow right here spoke no English. He was he was over forty years old, you know, total total um, chomo and stuff. And I'm gonna tell you something: they're everywhere down here. They're everywhere. All of the rape cases, everything's going Skype. It's like as if to say somebody's purposely doing this to us. It's sad to to hear that uh, that that's actually happening. I'm glad you were there and able to intervene for these little girls. Uh, I, I can tell you, look, th- these are things that nobody wishes would happen ever, right? But we're seeing them happen. And I believe that there are still people that will be pushed too far, right? If if people start to feel like they can't go anywhere because their kids might get abducted because they're their wife or their, their, their niece or whomever, I think you're going to see people become not only more assertive or even aggressive, but but more vigilant. And and then they're going to become more protective. And that doesn't work well for society. Right. When everybody's on guard and everybody thinks the guy next to them might be a potential rapist. And when you create that type of animosity in a society or that heightened uh, state of alert, you're going to get people, especially in a place like Florida, that's, you know, everybody everybody can carry. You're going to find people that are doing what they do. And they're going to protect themselves as best they can. And that's going to start to send messages. And, you know, we had a clip a couple of weeks ago of uh, a legal analyst or a law enforcement analyst on CNN explaining to them that these these guys are being caught and released, uh, these Venezuelan gang members, so they can commit more crimes. And then they were uh, locked up in Florida. And, you know, to the surprise of the host on CNN asking a question like, why, why did they go to Florida to spend the money they stole in New York? And, and the the guy basically told him, well, you know, according to the investigation and to the police that we've spoken to, they know that they can't pull off these crimes in Florida. (laughs) So they, uh, they commit them in New York and they go and they party and celebrate in, in Florida. And I think this brazen nature that you're talking about, it may be there. But somebody's going to be met with uh, with the barrel of, of some cold steel. And uh, hopefully, you know, it's a lesson they learned that they can walk away from and not, you know, something more unfortunate. But, Andrew, thank you for doing what you do. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody listening in the WWTK area, uh, Sebring, Florida. Big shout to Miami as well. Hoping to get on a station in Miami very, very soon. And uh, we continue with your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 
833-4-VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. Rich Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to him. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We continue with your calls. Let's go to Columbus, Indiana, WCSI. Check in with Dana. Dana, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, Listen, uh, on the Catherine Harrods case and uh, this pin, I think for starters, I would contend that this pin should have named uh, maybe several entities, uh, the individual journalists as well as Fox News and maybe more. But uh, I would, I understand her Sixth Amendment concerns, but I think the First Amendment journalist rights uh, overseed. Uh, at which point I think a judge should have probably already thrown out the individual case with the individual journalist. If, uh, and that would, you know, that would come down to how Fox News is actually officially listed. If they're listed, maybe, for instance, as opinionated news, why I would think all of the, uh, responsibility would be theirs for any lawsuit to cover any lawsuit for just simply allowing the individual journalist to, do the whole story without, uh, you know, with anonymous sources. You know, I think you're, you're, you might be right there. I don't know the legality of it. Uh, I do know this. I think that, um, Fox and, and they may be named in this lawsuit, uh, and they may not be. I'm, I doubt very much that Catherine Herridge, uh, revealed her sources to Fox news or to anybody else. Um, and I think that's probably why they're coming after her, uh, individually, um, it, it, with, with uh, respect to suing Fox, I guess because they didn't have those. I, I see your point. You're saying, but they were the outlet and it was under their banner that she did this and she should have, you know, kind of immunity to do her work. And I think that's the uh, the ongoing belief that people have is that they should. It's just there's a movement afoot in our country where people who are doing any any work in the public good, whether it's uh, journalism, police work, etc., they're trying to eliminate that type of uh, immunity so that you can be sued personally and held personally financially responsible for, for and Herridge's case, for defending and protecting her sources. And in the case of everybody else, you're talking about a cop arresting somebody and then being sued, you know, for forty, fifty, dollars uh, $100,000, a million dollars, whatever it is. What cop is going to be able to, to handle that uh, on their own? None, right? Very few if, if uh, in a good case scenario. So when you look at all of that, you say, oh, my gosh, we've we've got a problem here, Houston, a big problem. And I, I agree that we do. So uh, I don't know how it ends up if Fox gets named in this or not. But I do know that this is a, a slippery slope and we don't want to create a precedent uh, that we can't come back from. Dana in Columbus, Indiana, WCSI, thank you for your call. I appreciate you listening and calling in. And we continue. I want to go to Evergreen, Montana. Let's go to Frank, our buddy Frank on KOFI. Frank, what's up, my man? Hi, I'm going to talk about a couple things. One's leap seconds, and the other one is about the same subject here about uh, journalism. 
Yeah. Now, leap seconds are those I, I, the seconds that go at leap year? Yes, exactly. The uh, it started out in the seventies when they discovered, you know, we're actually this the planet it's taking we're losing time. It, the world is going around slower, so we're gaining these seconds. But because of the universal time clock and uh, banking and, and uh, glitches with uh, all sorts of systems, uh, servers and uh, attacks from all sorts of viruses, uh, we're, we're not adding up these seconds anymore. And, uh, right. We're supposed so to get another just... sleep second in June 30th, but they may not add that in. And it looks like by 2035, they're going to stop it all together. Leap year? Is, You're saying leap year is going to get uh, done away with? They're going to end leap seconds. But mm. my question is, how many seconds, leap seconds, does it make in, into a new leap day? Huh. Uh, we'll do that research if we can find it quick enough. Uh, I know that the, the annual calendar is 365 and a quarter days per year. And because they can never calculate that quarter or those extra seconds, they made it uh, this every four years. We add a leap year to add a full day. Uh, maybe it's not working. I don't know. If it was a holiday, that'd be nice. Or like a, it's leap year. We get an extra Monday off. That would be fun. Anyway, Frank, we'll try and figure that out during the break. I'll check with the guys in the control room. Uh, Paul, Tommy, and everybody else on hold are coming your way. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, so it's not that many minutes. It's actually more, right? It's 80,400 seconds. That's what's in a day. Uh, 86,000, excuse me, 86,400 seconds per day, uh, including leap year. And let's get to your calls to wrap up this leap day edition of the program. Let's go to West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia, WCHS. Tommy, go right ahead quickly. Mr. Valdez, uh, in the early 1980s, I really knew immigration because uh, I was a reporter. And since then, I've always been in touch with that issue for different reasons. No one, no president, as bad, anywhere near as bad as Biden, period. Catherine yeah, Herridge is I think you're 100 percent right. Yeah, I think you're right. Biden stinks, and and Herridge is absolutely terrific. She's been terrific on national security uh, issues. That's been in her area of uh, expertise for a number of years. That I've you know used her reporting on the air, and uh, I, I'm in total agreement with you, Tommy. Thank you for your call. I appreciate you like always. Big shout out to WCHS. Let's go to KBOI. Our buddy Paul. Oh, Paul, Boise, Idaho. Well, Paul, the music means they're kicking me out, but. I will let everybody know what you said, that you had a positive reaction to the Levine interview. And I agree with you. The guy knows what he's talking about. Folks, hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care, good night, and God bless you, America. I'll be back tomorrow, God willing. Until then, do what you got to do. I'm Rich Valdez.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.